You're listening to the Staff Study Podcast, a ministry of Bible Baptist Church in Mount Orb, Ohio. We hope this podcast will encourage you to study the Word of God and to grow in Christ. Welcome to the Staff Study Podcast. We want to thank you for joining in with us. And we've got myself, Rob Moore, and we've got Dominic Illingworth and Jason Jordan here in the studio as we continue our study on the book of Romans. We're in chapter 8. We went partway through it last time, and we're going to get uh, a little bit further this time. I don't suspect that we'll finish the chapter. There's a lot of information there, but uh, we'll see how this goes. We do want to remind you to like, share, subscribe, comment, review, um, help us to reach others, and trend higher on the searches and in the algorithms. Uh, It really does help us if you interact with us on social media and in the podcast platforms. And Jason and Dominic, they're they're hiding their notes from each other. They they want to make sure that uh, they'll be looking at my notes. Yeah. No, I've got a sentence and a half here. If you guys are looking at my notes, (laughs) if you guys are looking at my notes, it means you've gone back to my house because that's where I've left them today. Kitchen table. (laughs) So so if you're looking at my notes, uh, which is forty eight fifty six Barbara west (laughs) no (laughs) no that's not the right number or street but (laughs) but yeah um so anyhow let's get started this morning and i think uh brother jason has something to get us going just to kind of get our minds wrapped back around where we left off you know chapter eight it's really like um I hate to say the highlight of the book of Romans, but there's just a lot of good in here, just reminders as believers. But really, this chapter is the theme of the whole verse is that there's condemnation in the law, but because of Christ, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to live in, you know, discouragement and those things. And I love what he says here in verse number 11 there where we kind of left off. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You know, when we when we accept Christ as our Savior, a lot of times, especially as kids, when we um, lead them in a salvation prayer, we often say, you know, that we um, ask the Lord to come and in, into our heart and save our soul. And I've heard so many people that want to get in deep theological debates and say that's not biblical. Well, right there it says that when we accept Christ, that he quickens our mortal bo- bodies. Mm-hmm. And it says that um, that his spirit dwells in us. Yeah. And so that it is biblical. Well, in Ephesians four seventeen, that Christ may dwell in your hearts yeah, by faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't argue scripture <laughs> when it lays it out. And so, um, so, and the result of that should be that we can live in a life of spiritual victory, not being defeated or overcome by our sin. And it says. Um, there in verse number 13, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14. It says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Mm-hmm. So he's given us the opportunity to live, um, you know, a life that is victorious in Christ, that we don't have to be overcome by our sin. We don't have to be living in misery and, you know, feeling defeated spiritually that he's given us this opportunity to 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 be victorious. And and really it it verse 14 there um it, it really tells us kind of how we accomplish that 
that charge that you're talking about in 12 and 13 for for through the spirit if we mortify if we kill the the deeds of of the body you shall live then verse 14 says for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god that's the key that's how we accomplish what he's encouraging us to do in verse 13 to live for christ to to it's 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 through the spirit that we um we have the power to to execute and kill off those those sinful actions of our body we we don't have to 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 live like we're slaves to to sin and we do that by being led by the spirit of god not only is that an indication of our our conversion which we'll get into all that but but um being led by the spirit that's how we uh mortify the deeds of our body right there and that's just yielding to him submitting to him you know this episode this this passage isn't really on being filled with the spirit but i'd say that's the key you want to know what it what it what it means to be filled with the spirit daily right he never leaves us he dwells in us the spirit doesn't come and go but as you are yielded submitted to the holy spirit daily he's more active and present in your life yeah and it just leads you right into verse 15 for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father and it's interesting when you look at that, and I always pay attention to this when I read. Um, the word spirit is in that verse twice, but the first time it's spirit with a little s, and the second time it's capitalized mm-hmm. because it's talking about two different things. Mm-hmm. So, for ye have not received the spirit, lowercase s, of bondage again to fear, that's not what you got. You don't have that spirit as a as a born again believer but ye have received the spirit with a capital s of adoption whereby we cry abba father he's talking about the holy spirit there the holy spirit is a spirit of adoption mm-hmm. you are a child of god if you're born again if you've received the holy spirit and all that happens at once it's not separate things when you ask god to save you when you ask christ to be your savior you receive the Holy Spirit instantaneously, and at that same time, that's the spirit of adoption. You're now a child of God. These aren't separate things like, well, I get saved, and then I receive the Holy Spirit, and then I become a child of God. No. These all are simultaneous things. And so – That would almost – sorry, I didn't mean no, to go ahead. I was going to say that almost kind of borderline like second blessing – like some of the faith, um, different faiths believe that when you get saved, you kind of get saved in part. And then when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can receive like um, the gifts of signs and wonders and mm-hmm. all that. And then you can get yeah. the second blessing. Kind of like Mario Kart. You unlock additional levels, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Get enough tokens. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and see, that's the thing. Like, um, we, we certainly don't believe in that. And it's – it's um, my my train of thought kind of derailed with the Mario Kart Sorry. thing, <laughs> but it wasn't uh, helpful. It, it wasn't real helpful. But with we, we you don't get more saved. Yeah, 
you are saved. Now, we believe in progressive sanctification. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't believe in sacraments. We don't believe in any time that you believe you can get more <coughs> saved. It comes down to this. You believe in a works righteousness, mm-hmm. yeah. which the book of Romans clearly, clearly is against. Mm-hmm. Well, and if we think back to our last episode on Romans, you had brought out the fact of um, how the Holy Spirit's name is used in some of these different phrases here through this chapter. Mm -hmm. And it's the same Holy Spirit, and I believe you kind of pointed that out in the last episode. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not different uh, names or different certainly not different Holy Spirits, of course, the same Holy Spirit dwelling in you earlier beginning of the chapter, he's a spirit of life, Mm -hmm. right? He's a life-giving spirit. Here, that same Holy Spirit is an adopting spirit. It's different executions within the office of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, And, and it shouldn't be hard for us to wrap our heads around that because God has different names. God the Father, we we would call him, you know, if you go back in in Genesis 1, there um the word is translated in English force as God, which in Hebrew is Elohim, and we see that represents the Trinity and we see Jehovah and Adonai, Adonai, I am and all these different names of God. And we see the same thing with Jesus Christ, wonderful, counselor, prince of peace, king of kings, lord of lords. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we see that with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. That he has names. Yeah. And those names of God and of the, of, the, of the Father and of the Son define attributes of the Father and Son. Yeah. So why wouldn't the names of the Holy Spirit define attributes of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It only makes sense, really. Mm-hmm. So this spirit of adoption, it's because we're talking about being children of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why he's referred to as the spirit of adoption in this passage. Mm-hmm. I like there at the very end of the verse, it says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So what you've just said, everything you've just said, Rob, up until this point, the result is we cry, Abba, Father. I didn't fully understand what that name meant. I don't know if you guys took time to kind of look into that, but... um it's the same as if like a little child were to cry out like daddy or papa or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting because of our salvation, when we accept Christ and the Holy Spirit resides in us, that that results us crying Abba Father, acknowledging that the Lord is our heavenly father. Then in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 6, it puts another perspective in this, and it says, And because you are the sons of God, you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we call him Father because when we get saved, the Holy Spirit, um, it's He's saying that into our hearts first. Mm, So a lot of times people say, well, how do I know that I'm saved? Well, the next verse says that the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The only way that you're going to be able to acknowledge him as your heavenly father is through salvation. The Holy Spirit tells us that he's our father, and the result is we call him father. I thought that was powerful. So you did go to my house and look at my notes. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so, and Dr. We, Phillips. We, <laughs> we had a we had a lot of the same notes. That that you went to Galatians chapter four there, mm-hmm. and you read verse six, but verse seven really. Uh, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Mm-hmm. Our position in Christ, when we when we accept Him as Savior, our position changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the right context with the prodigal son is not a lost person getting saved. Though it's really the if you put it in context, it's a backslider is the representation there mm-hmm. with the prodigal son. But we see his position change. You can make an application there because his position went. He 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 was coming back in the position of a servant, mm-hmm. and the father, his father, his earthly father, said, "Oh no, you're a son. Put a ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf." Our position as a lost person is that of a servant, of a, of a slave. We're a slave to sin, but when we get saved, God says, "Oh no, this is my child. This is my son. He's an heir." He isn't just, he's not, you know, a second-class citizen to me. He's my son. I think um, that this word adoption is interesting. It only appears a few times in the New Testament. I'm sure you all found that, like, maybe four or five times, if I'm not mistaken. The two different words, and I know there's, there's different people that draw these contrasts, but if you notice in these verses we're reading here, there's times where he refers to us as children. There's times where he refers to us as sons. It, it seems it seems to me that uh, the reference to children is is when we're born again. You don't become a child of God until you receive Christ as your Savior, right. the new birth. Um, and of course, we're babes in Christ. It pertains to our regeneration. Um, when we're when we're saved, when we become a child of God, and so, but at the same time, like you pointed out earlier, this is not two separate events. We're not dealing with more than one thing here. At the same time of conversion, the Holy Spirit, who, who is our who is the agent of our new birth, He places us that position you're talking about as a son into the family of God. I think the children of God reference refers to our re- regeneration. I think this sonship really refers to our rights. We've got mm-hmm. some amazing rights. We're heirs of God, as what you just uh, went to there. We have an inheritance. And and most of this, I think, is we're going to find later on in the verses of this chapter, is it's referring to future, uh, future bodily redemption and glorification. And so... Uh, it seems like our sonship and our adoption, right? And our adoption is simply just you're being you're placed as a son into a family. I think it's it's it unveils the, unveils our amazing rights as a child of God. We we're in. I hate to use the word entitled, but if we you know we're not getting arrogant about any of this. This is just scriptural truth. Right. What promised. has God promised to us to inherit? As a child of God, think about that. Yeah, and you could you could make a, a an illustration from from just our natural lives as far as that child versus sonship. I don't have sons; I have daughters. But you know, when when they're born, I would call them they're my they're my child. They're they're a baby. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the reference. That's kind of the reference there. As they, and, and I might call them my baby, but as as they become young women, I don't call them a baby anymore. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. They're still my baby. I mean, they are. Yeah. They always will be. But, you know, if, if, um, I'm 36 years old. If if my mom comes up and says, "Oh, my baby," people look a little funny at that, <laughs> you know. And she does that. And she does yeah. that. Yes, uh, I don't blame her. I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to love me? But <laughs> why are you both raising your hands? No, <laughs> but we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> the record show. <laughs> yeah, but anyhow, um, that got derailed really quickly. But that that's the. You can see that contrast, like you were talking about, that that word child really is referring to that birth, mm-hmm. where when he talks about his son, that's that's talking about our inheritance, our promise, what we get, like you said, kind of our, our rights as a son of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That word adoption, it's when you look up the definition of it, if you just think about this, if if this is what the Holy Spirit has, um, oh, if you want to say unlocked for us, so to speak, it's it's the definition is a taking and treating of a stranger as one's own child, a stranger, and now you're treated as their child. The receiving as one's own of what is new or not natural. Yeah. Not natural. I heard a guy preach on that one time, and I, I wish I could give him credit. I don't remember who it was. I just remember his point. He he said almost that same thing word for word, and then he, then he went further, and he went to the verse where it talks about that we were at enmity with God. He said, you weren't just a stranger. You were an enemy, hmm. and he took you in as a son. Yeah. Like, boy, that puts a whole new weight to it. <laughs> I this this idea of being an heir of God, and we were talking about uh, entitled to or having a right. The sonship speaks of our rights if if you're saved. Just to clarify, because we don't want anybody to think we're, you know, people get uncomfortable when you start talking like that. Like we're not saying we're deserving of any of this <laughs> as right. a child of God. We're just simply saying it's what the Scripture says there. Uh, verse. Let's read verse 16 and 17 again. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, notice the progression there, if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs, co or equal with. In Hebrews it says that Christ is the heir of all things. Yeah. And then God says, hey, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit has put you, he's just added your name right on to that inheritance of what? What are we to inherit of uh, as a child of God? Well, if Christ is inherit, is the heir of all things, yeah. then we're heir of all things with him. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to think about. So I think you can... Uh, without arrogance, but confidently say um, that you, as a as a child of God, you have a right to some amazing, glorifying things, I, most of which is going to be future, right? I don't know why. I know they do. I just don't know why they do get uncomfortable when you start talking about that, because we didn't write it. 
Yes. You know, yeah. I think he's just given it here to us so we can have confidence. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not, we know it's not meant to be arrogant or anything like that, but there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Mm-hmm. Being confident, you know, the Bible tells us to be confident. And that's just what we're confident in is what Christ did for us and the result that's going to be. Yeah, Kevin Faldy gave us a good quote last time he was here. He said, be confident without a hint of arrogance. Mm-hmm. That yeah. stuck with me. I loved that. That was good. It's a hard thing to do sometimes because, <laughs> yeah. honestly, we can get arrogant in those promises if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no problem with being confident in them. We should be. If we believe in biblical authority, mm-hmm. we need to be confident in it because he says – that when we trust Christ, we are joint heirs. That's not arrogant. Yeah. It's confident. Right. It's his promise. And if you can't have confidence in that, in in what is what you have received as a child of God and what you're going to receive, that's gonna tremendously affect your future your the outlook of your future as a mm-hmm. Christian. You know, there's a lot of Christians who just mumble and moan through their day and they have no hope well it's because they don't have any confidence of of their of these future things that we're going to see in these following verses there are some amazing things coming to you as a child of god even if you never experience um uh good things in your life here maybe it's been appointed unto you to suffer here uh worse than some of us but there's a future hope and if you don't have confidence in that, that's going to affect your day-to-day here. Could I ask you a question? I've never really thought about it in this context, but I think um, I think it's it's personally I think it's probably correct. Works-based righteousness that a lot of people teach by taking scripture out of context. Do you think that ruins confidence? And my I'm not sure if I understand the question, so I was just waiting for you to. What I'm getting at is, if you're if you're thinking about works based righteousness, you're constantly wondering if you've done enough. Mm-hmm. So your confidence is gone. Like, have I done enough? Am I doing good enough? Mm-hmm. Am I doing this right? Where this is just saying, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, be confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it does affect it because it it's like you just said, it puts it all back on you. And in my experience with people who have been through that and live that life of no assurance, it does affect their confidence because it puts it all back on us. See, all this puts it on Christ. Right. It's his. It's what he's entitled to and been given. We're just added to it. And then if you flip it to someone who believes works-based righteousness— and believes they have attained that, it leads to arrogance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because now, well, I've done enough. Look how good I am. I did enough to do it. I know my mom, she's shared with us many times when um, growing up in my grandparents' house, when she was like, I think she said she was like 14, 15, 16 years old, something like that. Um, She started going to church because a lady across the street invited her to go and took her to church. And she went to a church of Christ. That's what, that was her first um, church experience. Well, in that church, they never taught eternal security. 
and kind of along that same lines that you're getting at, she struggled with just being productive in um, her Christian life and just having peace because she never felt like she was fully saved. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until she came here at our church that she started hearing the preaching about once you're saved, you're always saved. And it didn't just like immediately right away click. It took about a year or two or three years of hearing that preaching before it finally mm -hmm. clicked in her mind that you can't lose your salvation. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, she's always had peace about her salvation and she was able to go on and be productive in her Christian life. So yeah, I think there is some truth to what you're saying. Yeah, and then the last part of verse 17, boy, our wealth, health, and happiness preachers are really going to love this. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Mm -hmm. There's no promise of prosperity for the Christian in this life. I mean, yes, there is peace and prosperity and all that in heaven, of course, but in this life, there is no promise of prosperity. It doesn't mean that somebody who's prospering is not a Christian. Mm -hmm. But it certainly doesn't mean that if they're prospering, they are. Or that if somebody is struggling, that they're not. Mm -hmm. There's no promise of that. And then in verse 18, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Mm -hmm. As bad as things may get on this earth. And we have all go through things. Mm -hmm. I don't care who it is. Everybody goes through some kind of struggle. Um, the prosperity preachers, they might preach that I haven't been sick in 30 years. They're lying. Mm -hmm. I'll just tell you right now. I don't have a problem saying that. We've all gone through things. Um, but as deep as that depth can be, the mountaintop is higher in heaven. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I think it's important to note, you know, to have the right understanding, really from verses 18 um, down through verse 25, it, you know, this is future. It says mm -hmm. the, the, the glory which shall be revealed in us, and then we'll, we'll get into it where it talks about the creation waiting for. What is it waiting for? It's waiting for a future event. Mm -hmm. right. so, so all that isn't promised to you yet, but back to that confidence which is going to lead way to your hope. Even if you don't have much going for you right now here in this life, you have a future hope you can be confident in. And there is a thinking that um, you kind of touched on it just a second ago that, um, you know, if a Christian is suffering or experiencing something bad here, it's because they've fallen into some kind of sin. Uh, we, we understand the Lord will chasten you, right? Mm -hmm. Um but it says that uh, if so be we suffer with him, we, we suffer with Christ now, right? Because he suffered. That's what we're appointed unto. So um, that is a misconception. And maybe there's somebody listening who's always thought that or been taught that. And they think if they're experiencing suffering or something, it's either because they're in sin or they don't have enough faith. <laughs> Yeah. That is, you know, that's not right. I've always wondered, and I don't wonder enough to want to listen to them because I don't want to listen to bad preaching. <laughs> but what does the prosperity gospel preacher do with the book of Job? <laughs> what can he do with that? What does he do with the fact that Jesus Christ himself 
suffered on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, what do they do with that? I don't want to find out because I don't want to listen to their preaching. But, yeah. you well, know, I, I explain it like this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell I, was us, asking Jason. That, I was asking that question directly to you, Jason. Yeah. He's looking right at you. Yeah, no, By no. the way, he, he wants to tell you, if you'll plant a $300 seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have enough faith. No. Yeah. No. Uh, but really, I mean, what? Those things just destroy that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Christ himself suffered on earth. How in the world do you think that if you're living right, you're never going to suffer? That's just ridiculous. It, it could be more correctly said based off verse 17 that you suffering here is a indication that you, in fact, are a joint heir with Christ. Right. That would be a much closer analysis. Yeah. Right. So he gets into all this uh, looking into future things. In verse 18, the end talks about uh, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then he gets into the creatures, uh, created beings in the creation, right? Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're not there yet. Manifestation is... is revelation it's it's revealing of the sons of god we're not we are we are we aren't at our inheritance mm-hmm. you know if you have a rich relative that's going to leave you a lot you don't get it till they die uh you don't get your inheritance um and we're not at our inheritance yet we get that upon our own death um and then verse 20 for the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope mm-hmm. the creature and by the way just in case you aren't following this exactly the creature is us we are the creature um we were created God is the creator. <laughs> We're made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Where's our hope? Who, who's him that was subjected the same in hope? It's Christ. And that's, that's what it's getting at there. I think it's important, too, to note that a lot of times, um, and we've talked about this before, um, if you read certain notes about Bible passages, or maybe even if you have a study Bible, they will try to tell you that a word should be different here in certain spots. And so a lot of times you'll see if if you study your Bible and you get into some of this, you'll see where uh, sometimes people will lead you to believe like that word creature, really it, it should be, it should say creation. But he says creation later down. Um, so I, I think it's pretty clear a creature is a created being. Right, So he's talking about all created beings when it says creature, and then he uses the word creation. Um, Later down in the verse, if we keep reading, verse 21 says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, their creation is used, groaneth and travaileth and pain together until now. So there's a future redemption of all of God's creation and his creatures, and it's waiting for our redemption, right? The, the, the manifestation of the children of God. 
our redemption is it's going to give way to a redemption for this sin cursed earth it's a fiery redemption right we're, we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth um but our redemption is is what the god's creatures and his creation are looking forward to mm-hmm. the redemption from this sin cursed earth and doesn't the bible say regarding the holy spirit that the spirit is the earnest down payment of our mm-hmm. salvation, mm-hmm. meaning that we are saved fully. We went over that in the very beginning of the study today, but the Holy Spirit, we receive him as almost like a down payment or a guaranteed payment that what is going to happen will take place, mm-hmm. yeah. but the Holy Spirit, it's that down payment to secure that it will happen it says it's the earnest of our inheritance until the day of redemption yeah that's it i couldn't which goes great with verse uh 23 and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body i made a note um in my other Bible that I left at home today. Uh, Your NIV? <laughs> no. But well, that I brought, verse wasn't there in I have, NIV. I have a yeah. <laughs> yeah, they removed that one. I brought my uh my Schofield I've had for a long time. I bought a wide margin and I love it. Um but I left it at home today. But I made a note in there that at this point the adoption paper at this point in our lives we're saved. We're still here on this earth. The adoption papers have been signed, but we haven't moved in with our new parent yet. That's okay. True. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's getting at here. The redemption of our body, that's move-in day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would it be safe to say if you it, – it implies more that we've already talked about, about adoption, mm-hmm. but would you say really the, the adoption – is the future day of our the redemption of our body yeah right the the down payment was put down and i've used this illustration in sunday school many times if i put let's just say would we all agree that we're we're uh sinful fleshly there's some corruption amongst us right Mm -hmm. so if i put a down payment on a car Jason's like, there's corruption amongst us. That might not have been the best word to use, but we're not perfect. You can understand that. If I put a down payment on a used car, and let's just say that car had some issues. There was you know, a couple dings on the door or something. And I said, hey, I want that fixed because I want this car to be perfect. I put the down payment on it. It's mine. I've purchased that car. But when they fix it, I go and redeem the paperwork that they gave me for the car. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect. Mm-hmm. The down payment's been placed on us. But when we're redeemed, when the redemption is complete, we're in our glorified bodies, we're perfect. Mm-hmm. And God's going to come. Re- we're re- the redemption is complete. We're going home. Right. We were at a preacher's conference maybe a year ago, if you guys remember a Saturday morning at, um, <clears throat> and they were just doing some Bible training and one of the preachers got up and preached and he was talking about, you know, that the Holy spirit is the earnest down payment of our salvation, but the adoption hasn't taken place yet. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that is all future events. Yeah. 
the the papers are signed, but we ain't moved in. And I think that really what it keeps coming back to is if you're a believer, you need to realize that you have a hope. Mm-hmm. There is a future hope. You know, maybe your life isn't isn't that bad here on earth, but but a lot of people are really struggling, a lot worse than us even. And and as believers, they're just boy, they are groaning. These verses talk about the creatures groaning, creation groaning, the children of God, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting. And there's some people suffering and groaning. There's a future hope you have as a believer and a and a son and an inheritance you have coming. And that's what these last couple verses we can end with are are it sums it up perfectly. Verse twenty four and verse twenty five here. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? We don't have this yet, or else we wouldn't be hoping for it if we already it doesn't make much sense if you possess something, you're holding on to it in your hand, and you're like, oh, I really hope to have that one day. You're holding it in your hand, mm-hmm. right? You can't hope for it. But verse 25, if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. What is the it? Oh, it's the blessed hope yeah. of the believer. It's Christ for the child of God today, right here in this economy of God. It's waiting for his glorious appearing. Mm-hmm. I have a very simple definition for hope that I, I just I like. Um, I looked at all kind of definitions, and there's some good definitions of hope. Some of them are pretty wordy. Here's a very simple definition I summarized. Hope is a wish with belief attached to it. Hmm. A wish, you can wish for whatever you want, but do you believe you'll get it? Hope is a wish with belief attached so we hope we have a blessed hope why do we have a hope because we believe it mm-hmm. and if you don't believe it you don't have hope mm-hmm. so i think that's very simple so um we're saved by hope what are we hoping in we're saved because of what jesus christ did mm-hmm. and our hope is the promise that he's given us the reason, you know, what we started with this, the topic of confidence. Why do we have confidence? Because we have belief. Mm-hmm. There's hope, not just a wish. I'm not wishing for heaven. I'm hoping for heaven. Yeah. There's a difference. There's hope of eternal life, right? Right. Which mm-hmm. God promised. And if you're here and you've never had an opportunity to accept Christ, please, but consider what we're saying and talking about here there's nothing more than the three of us that we'd like to see and that is somebody get saved and if you're hearing this and you've never taken the time to accept christ as your savior just wherever you're at whatever you're doing today why don't you stop and pause your life for just a minute and the bible tells us that we can know we have eternal life and that's by simply just first of all being willing to admit that you're a sinner we know that we commit sin. We know that we've uh, committed sin in the past. And God's not asking you to be perfect. He's just asking you to be honest and be um, um, be able to admit that you're a sinner. And if you'll believe and accept that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for your sin and that he resurrected from the grave, and the Bible says, and repent of your sin, you can be saved. 
So wherever you're at today, whatever you're doing, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, why don't you find a quiet spot where you can just bow your head and say a prayer or something along the lines of, God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that if I were to die right now in this moment, I would die and go to a devil's hell. But I ask you to forgive me of my sin, and I believe that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for my sin, and that he resurrected from the grave. And I ask you to help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never taken time to accept him as your Savior, why don't you do that today and let us encourage you wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, that you find us on Facebook or um, call the church office at 937-444-2493 and let us know that you got saved because we'd like to rejoice with you. But also, we could send you a few resources that would help you begin your Christian uh, walk with the Lord that would be a help to you. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out to us and we'll do our best to try to answer any questions that you might have yeah we'd we'd just love to rejoice with you you can also reach us staff study podcast at gmail.com you can email us you can call the church office that jason gave you um or reach us on facebook we'd love to hear from you Uh, remember like share comment subscribe review on whatever platform that you listen to us on and we do appreciate you listening and we appreciate your uh, interaction with us so until next Next time, we will see you then. Thank you for listening to the Staff Study Podcast. It is our prayer that this has been an encouragement for you in your walk with the Lord. Please visit our website at www.bbcmountorb.org for more information on our church and associated ministries. It is our desire to encourage you to study God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study the show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth.